2 Kings chapter 2. When Yahweh was about to take Elijah up by a whirlwind into heaven, Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Please wait here, for Yahweh has sent me as far as Bethel. Elisha said, As Yahweh lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that Yahweh will take away your master from your head today? He said, Yes, I know it. Hold your peace. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please wait here, for Yahweh has sent me to Jericho. He said, As Yahweh lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that Yahweh will take away your master from your head today? He answered, Yes, I know it. Hold your peace. Elijah said to him, Please wait here, for Yahweh has sent me to the Jordan. He said, As Yahweh lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. Then they both went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them at a distance, and they both stood by the Jordan. Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the waters, and they were divided here and there so that they both went over on dry ground. When they had gone over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what shall I do for you before I am taken from you? Elisha said, Please, let a double portion of your spirit be on me. He said, You have asked a hard thing. If you see me when I am taken from you, it will be so for you. But if not, it will not be so. As they continued on and talked, behold, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. He saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces. He also took up Elijah's mantle that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. He took Elijah's mantle that fell from him and struck the waters and said, Where is Yahweh, the God of Elijah? When he also had struck the waters, they were divided apart, and Elisha went over. When the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho facing him saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. They came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. They said to him, See now, there are with your servants fifty strong men. Please let them go and seek your master. Perhaps Yahweh's spirit has taken him up and put him on some mountain or into some valley. He said, don't send them. When they urged him until he was ashamed, he said, send them. (laughs) Therefore, they sent 50 men and they searched for three days, but didn't find him. They came back to him while he stayed at Jericho and he said to them, didn't I tell you don't go? The man of the city said to Elisha, behold, please, the situation of this city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the land is barren. He said, bring me a new jar and put salt in it. Then they brought it to him. He went out to the spring of the waters and threw salt into it and said, Yahweh says, I have healed these waters. There shall not be from there any more death or barren wasteland. So the waters were healed to this day, according to Elisha's word, which he spoke. He went up from there to Bethel. As he was going up by the way, some youths came out of the city and mocked him and said to him, go up, you baldy. Go up, you baldy. He looked behind him and saw them, 
and cursed them in Yahweh's name. The two, then two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of those youths. He went from there to Mount Carmel, and from there he returned to Samaria. Interesting chapter. <laughs> and uh, so this is the chapter where Elijah goes home to be with the Lord. And um, he, there's only three people in the Bible that go home to heaven uh, alive. And that's Elijah, it's Enoch, way back in the book of Genesis, and it's Jesus. Um, everyone else who was resurrected from the dead, you know, there were like eight other resurrections in the Bible. They were all... Um, people who died um, were resurrected and they died again. There's only three people who were alive and taken to heaven. And uh, Elijah and Enoch are the only two that go to heaven never having died ever at all. Jesus dies, but he is resurrected to a glorified body. He's the only person, as of this point, to have received his glorified body. And the only person to have been raised in a glorified body, of course, eventually we'll all be raised with glorified bodies in the resurrection. So this chapter starts with uh, everybody seemed to know that Elijah was going to be taken away. And as they travel, they meet groups of prophets. Now there was this thing called the school of the prophets. In this, in this uh, Bible translation that we've just been reading, they were calling it the sons of the prophets which is a great name too. I think, you know, being a son of a prophet, it's, it's a good place to be in. But School of the Prophets in a different version of the Bible. There were, it seems like in Israel at this time, there were these groups of people where people had been called to be prophets and were in like in training. <laughs> and I think it's a good idea if you feel like you're called into prophecy to accept the fact that you need to train. Because <laughs> some people think that as soon as they've been called to be a prophet, they think they can just stand up and say whatever they want and surely it's from God. No, obviously there's a training process where you learn how to hear God's voice properly, you test prophecies, you realize that sometimes it's you making it up and you've got to grow to know the Lord, learn how to discern and how to test. And you know, <laughs> there's a, you've got to be an apprentice. You've got to be a son in the ministry to someone else. So these were sons of the prophets. And clearly in this chapter, at least, they all got it correct. They all knew that Elijah was going to be taken from them. Now, um, this chapter starts in Gilgal, which is right near the Jordan River. Now, way back in the book of Joshua, when the Israelites came across the Jordan River, they, um, you know, the, they were Gilgal. It was like the very first place they came to. There was like a mass circumcision at Gilgal. And then after that, they attacked the city of Jericho and on they went. So Gilgal is right near the Jordan River. And you'll notice in this chapter, this is something that I'd never heard any preacher talk about, but they're actually at Gilgal, they're actually at the Jordan River in that spot where the circumcision took place. And Elijah says, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. So he actually goes completely in the, away from the Jordan River, all the way to Bethel. And then when he's at Bethel, the Lord sends him to Jericho. So the Lord actually sends him directly back to the same place where they were before. And when they get to Jericho, the Lord says, go to the Jordan. So they're basically go from this spot where they're at the Jordan River, Gilgal, they go all the way to Bethel, and then they come all the way back. So they double back on their route. The Lord sends him away and sends him back. And if you didn't know your geography, you would think they were just going from place to place to place, but they end up in the exact same place where they started from, <laughs> weirdly enough. 
um, which is an interesting, interesting thing. And some people have said, oh, uh, you know, Elisha was so committed to Elijah that, uh, <laughs> that he um, had, couldn't leave him alone. And that is a completely correct statement. But on the other hand, Elijah knew he was coming back. So he could have saved Elisha. He was probably saving Elisha a whole heap of walking. I mean, he knew he was coming back. Um, so I don't really know what it all means, but I, I think that I think this is what was happening. I think that in Elijah's final days, the Lord was taking him on a little tour to visit the sons of the prophets. You know, basically before he left. You you remember in um, the book of Acts that uh, there's a chapter, I think it's around about chapter 19, 20, somewhere in the book of Acts, where Paul is on the beach at Ephesus and he, they, he basically says farewell to the Ephesian elders and there's a lot of tears and prayers because he knows he's never going to see them again. So there's a very precious moment there where these are people that Paul has known. He's poured his heart into. You remember Paul started the church at Ephesus and so there's a, a moment where Paul is in there at Ephesus and he's giving them a good farewell we don't really have we don't really have all the detail of the story, but I feel like why would the Lord send Elijah all the way up to Bethel, where there's a school of the prophets or a son of the prophets, and then send him back? I think the Lord is such a relational God, He's giving him a fair He's giving them a farewell. And when He gets when He gets there, they know. <laughs> and um, they know he's going to go, and so it's a proper farewell. Now, we don't have the details of the farewell there, but you can be sure that because they knew he was going, that they farewelled him. And I think that's the type of God we have, a relational God, a God where relationships matter, not just our relationship to God, but our relationships to each other matter a lot. And Elisha, his relationship with Elijah mattered a lot too, and Elisha would not leave him alone. Elijah said, stay here. He says, I will not. And it's, it's not that he was stubborn, it's not that he was disobedient. It's just that he loved Elijah and was going with him. So from the Jordan River, or from Gilgal basically to Bethel and back to the Jordan River, it depends on how you measure it. When I measured it on, on Google Maps, it was 110 kilometers, which to me kind of seems like a bit too far. Uh, I remember, um, you know, from Jerusalem down to the Jordan's about 40 kilometers. So that, you know, to go that way return would be 80. So 110 kind of seems a little bit too far. So anyway, it's between 80 and 110 kilometers, uh, this roundabout route. So it's a couple of days worth of effort of walking. So that's the kind of distance that we have. And then we come to the moment where Elijah is taken away. And he says to Elisha in that moment, he says, ask me for whatever you want. And Elisha says, a double portion of your spirit. And so, um, <laughs> and of course, when Elijah is taken away in the chariots and the, and the horses, Elisha sees and he gets the double spirit. Now, I, um, before I tell you about myself and, and what I do, um, I just want to comment on Elisha. Some people think that you should get yourself into a relationship with a man of God or, you know, a woman of God, someone with anointing and, of, and grace so that you can get double the portion of their spirit. So they, um, they look at these relationships in the body of Christ, like you know, your pastor might have some anointing, so make sure you're close to him so you can get his anointing. <laughs> and um, so some people preach it um, like that, but there's a, there's a kind of a selfish element to it where um, it's all about you and your ministry, and it's all about what you can get so that you can be 
the man of God or you can be the woman of God so that you can have the power and and it's all about getting around the right people so that you can get you know what you want. I don't think, and my dad, he's preached on this many times, he definitely does not think that that's how Elisha thought. Elisha was a genuine servant to Elijah and loved him. And that's the reason why he wouldn't leave him alone. And um, we're in the moment when, when Elijah is taken, what's his, what's his cry? It's my father, my father. So we've got an example here of sonship in the ministry. Not the type of sonship where you serve someone so you can get something. The type of sonship where you serve because you serve, you love, you support. You want, you want their best. And a lot of people, they enter into sonship relationships for what they can get. They think it's the spiritual father or mother's job to serve them. Well, that's the wrong way around. It's your job to serve your spiritual father and serve your spiritual mother. And your attitude towards them and your heart towards them is what brings the blessing. And Elisha had that heart towards Elijah and he did receive the double portion. So the double portion is something that comes, well, it comes from having a good heart towards those over you. Uh, at least I believe that that's the best way to receive the grace for it. But having said that, I think you can also just ask the Lord. And if you have faith, and especially if you're asking the Lord because it comes from a heart of wanting to serve. If you're someone that wants to be in ministry or you want someone to notice you and you want to have power and gifts and it's about you, uh, it's, it's almost like soulish and greedy and wrong to ask for a double portion or even to ask for any grace and anointing. Like there's a story in Acts chapter 8 of Simon the Magician. He wanted the power of the Holy Spirit to be upon him because he wanted to be recognized and he wanted to do powerful things. He, he was wanting for self-promotion and um, Peter said to him, may you perish with your greed. <laughs> in other words, go to hell. Um, but if you, if you have a heart that is a genuine, you're genuinely wanting to serve the Lord and serve God's people and you want to be in ministry because the Lord's called you to, I think it's completely right and it's even good to ask the Lord for the Holy Spirit's help to do that job. Eagerly desire the greater gifts, the Bible says, but you're not eagerly desiring them for your own building up so that you look good. You're eagerly desiring them so you can serve the Lord and serve others. So it's all about your motive. And so I do pray, and I pray quite a few prayers. Uh, I've never actually prayed for a double portion uh, of anyone's spirit, but what I do pray is I've prayed any number of times, maybe a hundred times, that the Lord would take a hold of the spirit that was in my father and put it in me. This is John Alley. I prayed that the Lord would give to me the spirit of Chuck Clayton. That's my dad's spiritual father. I pray, believe it or not, I pray that the Lord would take a hold of the spirit that was on John the Apostle, you know, in the, who wrote the Gospel of John, and that he would put that spirit on me. Now, I never even met him, but all things are possible to those who believe, right? <laughs> so I pray that. We had, a, we had an evangelist come to our church years ago, Mark Sainz. He's gone to be with the Lord now. But the grace that was on that man, I've never seen anything like it for evangelism. And I pray that the Lord would give me the, the spirit that was on that man to be an evangelist. So I pray that prayer. I pray that the spirit that was on John Wesley, the preacher, that the Lord would give it to me. I pray that the spirit that was on Charles Finney would be given to me. And believe it or not, I pray that the spirit that was on Christ would be given to me. So these are, they're the seven people that I often pray that the Lord would give me their spirit. I never even thought of asking for the spirit of Elijah to be on me, but there's a thought. 
And so I think if your heart is in the right place, you can ask the Lord with faith. Now, I know my dad does this too. He, he, he calls it stealing anointings. <laughs> but it's not really stealing because they're freely given if you believe. But sometimes when he's in a meeting and there's someone preaching and, and my father senses that, that this person has a real grace, the Lord will say, he will start to receive it by faith, the anointing. Because, and this is how you can build yourself up in the Lord for the benefit of others, not for your own benefit. When you receive a grace, it makes, you, it, makes it easier to do things for the Lord. And you want to do those things for the Lord, not for your own fame, but for his fame. Elisha had a big heart for his father. He was a true servant, so he received the double portion. His heart opened the way, and may your heart open the way too. So finally, after Elisha returns back across the Jordan, the prophets notice that the spirit of Elijah is on him, so clearly um, it's a true gift. And then we finish this chapter with two interesting little things. Number one, uh, he's returning to... Um, where does he go? I'm trying to think. He goes to Bethel first. So he goes back to the place where he just was. That's the place where the sons of the prophets were. The, there's multiple groups of sons of the prophets or schools of the prophets. And uh, there's one group at Bethel. So he goes back there and, and then he goes to Samaria, but he goes via Mount Carmel. But on the way to Bethel, the, it says youths came out and taunted him or they mocked him and they called him a baldy. <laughs> so it's interesting I thought to myself, if he's bald, it could only mean one of two things. Either he had a hair growing problem or he was old. Now, if he was old, it means that Elijah was probably even older than him. And some, sometimes we don't really get a sense of the age of people. We think that Elijah died, you know, Elijah went to be with the Lord, but Elisha was still like this young guy, but he may very well have been an older person. And so that's a bit of an interesting window. But then it says that Elisha cursed the youths and two female bears came out of the forest and mauled 42 of them. So um, some people have thought that this little story here in the end of this chapter is a little bit, um, I don't know, ungodly, unbiblical or something like that, that you know the Lord would allow some bears to kill all these children. Well, for starters, they're not children. They're youths. They're probably wild youths. What type of youths would roam the forest in the middle of a town, between towns in packs? Just ask yourself that question. <laughs> and <laughs> we know at least 42 of them were mauled by the bear. Now I would suggest that when the bears came out, they bolted for their lives. <laughs> they weren't gonna hang around and get killed. So 42 were mauled. There obviously were a lot more than 42. And mauled doesn't mean they all died, but probably some of them died. Maybe even 42 of them died, but they were definitely injured. So there, we've got this process here. But Elisha also doesn't command them to die. He just curses them. He doesn't know a bear's gonna come out of the woods, but the result of his curse is that the bears come out of the woods. So what we've got in this story here is we've got here justice. You know, here we've got a, a pack of wild young people that are basically terrorizing the area. So we've got justice, they're dealt with. But we've, number two, we've got validation of Elisha in ministry because the power of God is on him. And, uh, but we've also got a little example to see. You can see the power of our words. Like when you're walking in the anointing of the Spirit, there's power on your words, so be mindful of how you use it. 
Right at the end of this chapter, it says that Elisha went to Mount Carmel and then went back to Samaria. It doesn't say what he did at Mount Carmel, but Mount Carmel was the place where Elijah defeated the prophets of Baal and brought the end to the drought and the famine. I don't know why the Bible says he went there, then went home, but I wonder if he was just going there to sit and be in the place where his mentor had that great breakthrough. And you know, there's something wonderful about the people the Lord puts in our lives. And I, you know, we all do it. We like to go to, um, you know, like when a family member dies, we, we go to the cemetery and we visit them there. Now, it's kind of like our tangible, it's a tangible place we can go to kind of like remember someone. In communion, we, we, it's a tangible and a physical way that we can remember the Lord, but it's not just tangible, there's spiritual power in it too. But Elijah has gone to heaven. There's no tangible thing left, but Elisha goes to Mount Carmel. And I think that's his place. It's his place to go and think about his father. I think it's really, really sweet. And then he goes home to Samaria. Father, we thank you for this chapter. We thank you for this man, Elisha. What a, what a, a wonderful man, loved his father. He even went to the place, Mount Carmel, where he had that victory just to think about his father. And I want to thank you, Lord, in our lives, you've put spiritual fathers and we thank you for them. We appreciate them. And Lord, help us not to be so hard-hearted and unteachable we can't receive. Help us to serve. And Father, take a hold of the spirit that's on our fathers and put us in it into us in a double portion so that we might serve you greater than they. Let your power be at work in us greater than they, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.